Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Oh, and this is Peyton Jones screwing around in the background because that little pop up comes up and says, Got it. And, I'm, and I just think, like, you know, like, uh, what's what's the movie, uh, Polar Express, where they're like, Hot, 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 we got it, hot, hot. So it's in my uh, head. I have no idea what you're talking about. So you, you have to be in my head. I'm realizing, you know, over the last few years, I've worked on different I don't teams. have to be in your head. I don't have to be anywhere hey, I don't want to be. I've been lucky, man. When I worked at NAM, I worked with, like, Mac Lake and Charles Campbell, Rick Duncan, some amazing dudes. And then uh, I, I know I forgot someone. Sorry, robber. dude, I forgot. And then, you know, I went from there to work with Exponential. Where, you know, getting to work with Todd Wilson was pretty cool. He's fun to watch. Pretty genius, dude. And then now I'm on this through the word team. And, you know, over the past few years, I've been lucky to not always be the smartest guy in the room. And I was just kind of musing on that yesterday. Like, how cool is that? I'm I'm surrounded by people I respect and am learning from. And to me, on the strength finder as a learner, strength finder, as a learner that's a big deal, right? Well, uh, I keep... I keep laughing with this guy named Brooks who worked at Exponential who's going to come over and work for, for a new breed. He, um, he and I are always joking yesterday. I, I, I sent him a text saying, I dropped this in the meeting today. Where may I learn this power? Not from a Jedi. And, and when I dropped that, I thought it was comedic gold. Nobody in the entire, uh, call actually got it or cared. It just went, Star Wars reference right over their head. And, you know, I live for moments like that, Pete. When those happen, I'm so happy. But welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I like the uh, preamble to the Constitution right there. We believe that all men are created equal. No, 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 no. Get to the point. What what, what are we doing here? 
So uh, to, to keep this uh, a high quality podcast, which it is obviously because 100% we're... after 444 episodes, there's there could perhaps never be a better Christian podcast than this one. <laughs> I got my dog spayed on Sunday. Hey, hey, real quick before you get into that, I, I just want to make a new tagline. Look at the cone. Whoa, hey, my dog had a cone last week on too. My dog is chewing her cone, and I'm like, ooh, that thing ain't going to last, but maybe a day, two days dog more. Chews, how can it chew its own cone? Isn't that the purpose of the cone, to keep it from chewing anything? It's got the seam. She went yeah, after the seam. There's no way. You got to move the seam up at the top of the head. Oh, it doesn't stay up there. Yeah. You you know you can clip it to the collar? Uh well, the whole thing, yeah, I mean. Take yeah. one of those potato chip bag things. Hey, welcome to the podcast, the highest quality recording. We give you life hacks. And what I was about to say, our tagline is that uh, all your sanctification done for you in an hour-long audio clip. Who know that the best Christian podcast ever done for you? I love done that. for you in, a, in an hour clip. You know, you can work out while you're getting sanctified. It's amazing. It's like jazzercise in the in the eighties when they put If you're working in it. out to this the, podcast, you're not actually working out. You this is not like I have the tiger. That's true. You need to listen to the Deftones if you want a real workout. But you here's the thing. The tiger. Forget it. That's true. The tiger. That's true. That's true. On I, repeat. I, I can't listen to that. And they should ban it from gyms because when I do that and I'm bench pressing, I throw the weight, I throw the barbell like twenty feet up in the air. And catch I get it? too excited. Yeah, and then I catch it. I catch it with my my feet, though, and then I do reverse squats with What's it. What's awesome is that's uh, 315 pounds that you throw 20 feet up in the air. Yeah, I do. Catch. I do. I've broken ceilings that way. So I, the tiger, you know, I can't listen to it when I'm working out. I dig it. But my poor dog with her cone of shame. She uh, doesn't know how to use the doggy door with a cone of shame. So she just cries. My dog. So this is the funniest thing. This is such an illustration of living by fear, like living in fear. My dog puts a cone on. Now she's 13 years old. She's from Wales. She's oh, all that you know. Yeah, she had it on because she was chewing herself, you know, nonstop in her paw. She had an infection. And the more she chewed it, the worse it got. So put this cone on her. And, and this dog would look at everything she didn't want to hit, like because she was afraid with the cone on. She's Well, of course, as soon as she looks at it, she catches on it. So she'd move around and she, every angle, every door, every opening, every item, she'd catch the cone on it. It, it was a comedy of errors because she's afraid out of the corner. Right. She's like, well, I don't want to hit that. So she's looking at it to avoid it. And the cone snags on it. So my dog was like a pinball going through a pinball machine, just moving down the hallway. And the lesson from this children is be careful what you focus on. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Do not look to the left or the right. There are a million ways you could go as a gospel preacher. And you can tell where I've been. I'm, I'm in through the word right now doing gospel, John. I am having the time of my life. You know, when I was a church planner, I had to do everything else. I didn't have time to do things like my bookkeeping. That's why I called Simplified Church, Pete. What? Who's yeah, this? Simplifiedchurch.com. They will You're take care of their all commercial your commercial done now. Look at you. <laughs> all your bookkeeping needs, all of your IRS tax compliance. I was just it just naturally led into it. I mean, but you know, I didn't have time. So go to simplifiedchurch.com. But I didn't have time to actually do like like the word when you're like in an established church, you're a sermon factory. I didn't have that time as a planner. So it was like uh, it was just a whole different animal. Now I get like I'm paid to just labor in the word 
and prayer, I guess. But, uh, but man, everything feels so different to me right now. I'm in, I'm in a, and it's right. It's right. I'll get into that later, but my, my parents really like your church plantology book because they're like buying copies for pastors and giving them out. Mm. It is a fine book, Pete Mitchell. It is a fine book. What I loved (laughs) is they're like, Oh, you remember, uh, Mark Mitchell, he's a pastor at CPC. Well, he's retiring, so we're giving him the book. So I guess Aww. they're basically telling people, hey, now that you're out of church, uh, <laughs> why don't you go plant one? Nice. See, I love the way your parents think, dude. That's so rad. Because your dad was like this planner. You know, he he was bivocational. He is your client, right, for the Bible. He was bivocational. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, was bivocational uh, back when it wasn't cool to be bivocational. Yeah, when other fact, it was probably seen as like a, it was seen probably as like a failure. Oh, what do you mean you're bivocational? You're, you're, you know, I mean, I'm that, back in the day that was kind of how it was. When, when you and I started this, it was still seen that way. Eight years ago, when you and I started, you when think? you and I started talking, yeah, eight years ago it was still seen as, uh and over the last few years, you can't get a real church. You can't get a real yeah. someone to hire you. Yeah. Yeah. We were given apologetics for it when we first started this. And now it is considered those are the people to watch. Those are the people to invest. But in. only in certain communities, the communities, yeah. the circles that you and I travel in, it is. Additional circles. Yeah. But when you're talking about old school, you know, church denominations, it's still not seen that way. That's true. That's true. Well, I haven't stabbed myself in the leg. That's I good. haven't really done anything. Of I note. love that you took out your own sutures. I did. And I was laying in bed that night. Oh, look at that. Missed one. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't know what my dog is doing. Well, I can't hear. I can't hear. I mean, it's not like when our dogs she's are barking. She's got the ball in her mouth. And the funniest thing is because how she's in the, the heck cone did she do that? When she when she loses the ball, like it's behind the cone before her feet she like goes crazy because she can't where did it go it disappeared i feel like quoting john like we're gonna need a bigger cone you know like that cone's too small if your dog can pick up a a ball with that cone the cone's too small did you ever see uh space balls i have never seen that really i've never i mean put it up there with commando Put it, put it up there with, oh, wait, no, I did see Commando. No, what's the one I didn't see with the, is it Commando? Predator. 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 I mean, I, I, there are I actually rewatched Predator the other day because it's on, <gasps> without it's me. On, it's on uh, Amazon or Prime or whatever code. it is. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm going to watch it with Andrea because Andrea loves it. She's like, I can't believe you haven't seen that. What? Andrea loves Predator. And you've never seen it? And I've never seen it. Yeah, I see. I don't know what to say because you and I are so different on our. No, our no, 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 no. Taste. That's not. I, I no, no. I'm shocked at myself for never having seen that. Like, you have to understand. I saw every other Arnold movie. I just never got around to that one. It's weird. All my friends were into it. And I don't know. Total what Recall with Arnold? Of course. Love that movie. Like, I probably saw that three Two times weeks. in the theater. <laughs> Two weeks. Two weeks. Get ready for a surprise, dude. No, like you got to understand. I'm an Arnold. The running man. Come on. Like, dude, Arnold was. Get to the Brubaker Hotel. (laughs) Hi, I'm Johnny Cab. Dude, that movie was. Well, no, that that movie is a bit weird. When they went underground. That movie was not good. It was just like at the time. At the time, it was. I remember watching it. The spaceships, the the. uh 
it, it was pretty cool. Man, that scene at the end, though, where their claymation eyeballs roll out, like, that's that's pretty weird. Yeah. Even by 80s standards, they're like, dude, those are like claymation eyes. What was up with that? It's clearly a model. Yeah, that was that was a funny movie. I'm trying to think uh, of what. Oh, movie. so, dude, dude, I, I do have to say this. So we have to talk movies. So I saw Snake Eyes. Oh, good. What'd you think? I was impressed. Didn't you kind of think, wait, who's Snake Eyes? Like, because he was like not the good guy through most of the movie. I was a little bummed at that, but I'm like, and the what? other guy was the good guy. And I was like, how did, I don't, what? Like, in the original lore, those two guys are brothers, right? Oh, I so didn't know that. Even like real even Overwatch. Yeah, even Overwatch, um, they did these two characters, Hanzo and um, uh, Genji. And they're they're two brothers, and they're riffing off the old Storm Shadow, um, you know, um, Snake Eyes relationship. Two Asian guys um, from Japan, same clan, went two separate ways. So, but I liked this take. I I saw the trailer, and I'll confess. Now, you guys got to know, I have a Snake Eyes tattoo on my arm, and and not knowing there was a movie going to be coming out, you know, like to me it was rad. It was I call it my secret nerd tattoo. To me, if you're going to be a nerd and you're secret about it, that that's always to me cooler. Because what I thought was funny like, is of all the things we've talked about for the last eight, nine years, I had no idea that Snake Eyes was important enough to you to get a tattoo of him until after yeah, you got the you, tattoo. You got to understand, see, like when I was a kid, there were three toys in my life. Uh, there was. OK, so the original G.I. Joe was like when I was a kid, kid, like like toddler age. The G.I. Joe with like the fuzzy Afro beard and you pull the string in his back and you go one for all and all for one. You know, like that was like that was the first G.I. Joe I knew. And he was like Kendall size. Right. So then Star Wars comes out, you know, every toddler had like Fisher Price and crap like that. But but Star Wars toys came out, took the toy market by storm, like changed everything overnight. Well, then. Uh, I can't remember who, which company it was because I think Kenner was Star Wars. And I don't know if Hasbro was G.I. Joe. I think it was Hasbro. Then they release G.I. Joe and they, they're they super bendy, like, you know, multiple points of articulation, you know, because uh, that was a big thing with G.I. Joe. You know, Eddie Murphy used to talk about, I want G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. You know, he's talking about what he'd ask for at Christmas. Well, so all of a sudden GI Joe comes and they bend like the, 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 uh, Star Wars figures had five points of articulation and the, the, they didn't bend at the elbows or knees. All of a sudden GI Joe comes, they bend at the ankles, they bend at the knees. They have this rubber band that always break. And then your, your figure would bust apart that at their torso and stuff. But, um, they were super posable, but they invented this whole like, that, that was the thing that was happening is they would invent a backstory around the toys just to sell toys, to, to jump on the bandwagon. So you, if you've ever seen the toys that made us on Netflix, the funniest one is Masters of the Universe. So that was my third line. These are my three, three loves of my childhood. Um, but He-Man, the guys go into a meeting and uh, they're trying to get a contract. And they said, oh, you know, like the toy maker, uh, you know, the, the people they need to, to contract with. He says, oh, yeah, well, we're, that's because we're going to make a comic for it. Because the guy goes, well, no one knows who He-Man is. And he goes, we're going to make a comic. And, and the guy goes, oh, you are? That's awesome. 
And so they go away and they go, oh, crap, when they get out of the meeting, we got to make a comic book now about He-Man. So they quick do that. They go to the next meeting and they go, yeah, we're just not sure, you know, there's a comic because it comes with the figure. Is that going to be in it? And then he goes, oh, no, no, no. No, they'll totally want the comic because they're going to see the cartoon. And the guys go, whoa, you guys have a cartoon? Yeah, we got a cartoon. So they come out and they go, crap, now we got to make a cartoon, which is if you ever watch the old He-Man, it's the same scenes done over and over and over with like like original scenes for the story popped in. So like, but yeah, man, like, like Snake Eyes was like the Boba Fett of the Star Wars world. He was just uber cool. And every kid fought. If there was one Snake Eyes figure, uh, everybody fought over him. If multiple Snake Eyes came to the sandbox, an argument broke. I get to be Snake Eyes. No, I'm Snake Eyes. No, I get to be Snake Eyes. You be Snake Eyes evil twin. So that's why they brought out Storm Shadow. It was because you needed an evil Snake Eyes to play against because everybody wanted to be Snake Eyes. So... uh, this tattoo on my arm represents the Ninja Clan, which Church Clan and Ninja, Ministry Ninja, yada, yada, plus my childhood, plus Snake Eyes was just the coolest. If I got a Boba Fett tattoo, everyone would know. They'd be like, yeah, it's cool. But I love the fact that this tattoo actually was um, not a lot of people knew. So I got to be honest, when the Snake Eyes movie got announced, I was a little bummed. Oh, really? I was a little like, oh, you know, I liked it being obscure. You know, just just a, a nod in my childhood. Now that there's a movie, but I don't think anybody's seen that movie. I don't think that movie does well. So I thought, it might, yeah, it might still be good. You know, for for the old tattoo, but yeah, dude. Interesting. Want to hear my Hobbit story? No, I'm just teasing. No. So, did you hear that there? Uh, the rumor is after season three of The Mandalorian, it's canceled. And then the next rumor is, well, they're going to have a definite end and they're just going to rename it something else and like continue on with the characters. So oh. now it's like it's either ending after season three or I could see that, though, or they're going to transition it to something else. I can see that because we started watching. It'll be called Walking Mandalorians. Dead. We started watching Walking Dead season 11. And is that the new one? Yeah. And, you know, Andrew's over it. She's like, eh, kind of lost interest. And I'm like, no, no. I think it's so much better than the other season so far. Dude, I'll tell you this. I liked last season. Andrew hated it. And I loved it. I thought it was I don't even remember last season. When they met that crazy chick, I was like, okay, the show just got good. She's rad. She's my favorite character. Princess. Yeah, she's the best. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know. Uh, Mandalorian, I could see them stitching it up, you know. I don't I don't think they need to keep keep it going. I think sometimes you have a good show. Like I just watched the end of Clone Wars last season. Have you seen that? Yes. Amazing. Amazing we, artwork. We we're watching uh the Bad Batch, and I think we're like halfway through it. I'm bored of that. Yeah. It, it's I, not I find that boring. Yeah, but I do got to say, and I got bored partway through the Clone Wars. Um, and we've been watching Turner and Hooch uh, every Friday when a new episode comes really? out. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. My kids finally like dogs. When we had Lucy and Ricky, they didn't like them because they were old. 
right zoe they love so now they're like oh look at that dog you're so cute so i watch the dumbest things sometimes i'll like i'll put my kids down at night and we do funny video and my my youngest daughter she's eight she likes i can't remember his name like topi or something it's like this little welsh corgi and and it's like the garden party was the one we watched the other night where she's wearing a little hat she's stealing apples out of an orchard and it's just these people going around filming their dogs doing stupid things and i i'm literally stupider for watching these like they're so bad and it is pure love that that i i'm about to make a really terrible biblical comparison that's almost blasphemous for me to make so i won't make it but it is pure love that causes me to put one foot in front of the other i i literally just have to like like just endure through these dumb videos have you uh seen billy madison yeah see you reminded me of that line at the end when he gives the book report on the little puppy that could or something like that and he goes at no point in your rambling co incoherent dialogue did you have anything of value to say may god have mercy on your soul <laughs> i think i was just right there i was getting lost in my own head and billy madison's like um a simple wrong would have done that's <laughs> rad that's so rad oh my gosh <laughs> yeah anyway. you'd be happy to know i work with a guy where that that is his favorite film well and joe dirt well, going back to uh, Spaceballs, the reason why I was asking that huh. in in Boy, high school, I take us off. <laughs> in high school, uh, one of my buddies and I, I think we we're working on a science project. We we must have seen that movie 50, 60 times, but we saw the television version of it because we recorded it, you know, yeah. back in the VHR, VHS yeah. days. Um, we recorded it and the TV version to me was funnier than the real version because they edited out all the profanity. Yeah. And it just made it so stinking funny. And uh, like, you know, John Candy's in it, right? Yeah. And his he name is Chewbacca. Well, his name is Barf. Yeah. And he's like, what's your full name? Bartholomew. <laughs> just like stuff like that. <laughs> just I need to see gold. It. Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely hilarious. I need to see that. I thought he had the Schwartz. I got the up, or he got the upside. I got the downside. There's two sides to every Schwartz. It's <laughs> just oh my like gosh. stuff like that. It's just a hilarious movie, man. <laughs> I remember the stormtroopers come in the sand. That was pretty funny. Yes, that was. They cut out the profanity when yeah. they got to the. I uh, figured. Yeah, but it it it's a funny movie, man. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah, I need to watch it. He was too late it. with it, Mel Brooks. He should have done it. You know, probably ten years earlier closer to oh, when really? star wars actually came out i mean it was it was too late but still it was funny yeah interesting yeah i wonder how he got away with doing that without getting sued was it the same studio do you think i don't know do you, do you think i mean maybe was it i mean I it was clearly changed enough same. yeah as rick moranis is the the short darth vader Dude. that's pretty funny because oh, like when thing. I'm watching the Clone Wars, or, or, even, or there's a scene, there's a scene where they're looking on the radar in their version of the Star Destroyer, and all of a sudden he's like, "What is that?" And he takes his finger across the screen, and he's like, "We've been jammed." It was like they, they <laughs> launched a big <laughs> bottle of jam on the radar. No way. 
There's only one person who'd have the nerve. It's a movie of dad jokes. Oh, it was such a great movie. I love it. Wow. Weren't we talking about Top Secret? Because Andrea saw a clip of Top Secret. It's been a long time since I've seen Top Secret. We watched uh, the Val Kilmer uh, thing that's on I couldn't, man. I started it, and I was like, I can't watch it because I remember him as Iceman, and it's not Iceman anymore. I can't do it. It's a good movie. They start off, and they kind of portray him as, as really weird and eccentric. And granted, he is a little weird and eccentric. But they kind of, the way they mix it at the beginning is kind of to grab your attention. He's actually more down to earth than what they originally um you know he he it was a good movie but they show a scene from top secret and uh andrew's like what is that and i'm like that was she's never seen top secret right i told her that movie was the best like it was so good we as kids there was a couple movies like that there was that one johnny dangerously and the naked gun came out when i was in high school and they're, they're I couldn't just, see Naked Gun because it had the word naked in the title. Of course you couldn't. Yeah, no, there, there was more than just that in it. <laughs> <laughs> that one I've hardly ever seen. Like, I've, I'm sure I've seen it, but it wasn't like one I repeated over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that with kids at my youth group and realized at a certain point, like we were all in the youth group together. We're like, okay, this is probably a mistake. You know, dude, but, when uh, I was at Biola. We had a, a karaoke night, and uh, I, I don't even know why we had karaoke night, but we did. So we're all in the, the student union, and uh, someone decides that they're going to do karaoke of a Baby Got Back. You don't realize how bad that song is <laughs> until you're seeing it in front of a room full of Christians, and you're like... This is why youth need youth pastors. They literally were like, uh, we're going to stop this song right here, because like, oh, you don't God. realize how bad it is. Because it was, you know, Sir Mix a lot. Anyway, that's that's pretty funny. But yeah, no one realized it until we're remember, halfway, we're like, wow, man, that's remember not, we remember we song. did the uh, Bible Inner Circle and there would be these like epic rap and hip hop conversations oh. that would pop off in there. Those were the best, dude. Somebody, I think it was uh, Cam Barber. Is that his name? Yeah. I think he was the one that like went off and did Ice Ice Baby like the whole thing. Are you serious? He like, was a he was a new breeder. Actually, he was one of the first new breeders, funny yeah. enough, in America. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't tell you this, but um before we get into our topic, uh new breed, we're actually uh changing quite a yeah. bit. We're gonna you stop you, being you, you talked about it on the last podcast. Oh, uh, see. I don't know who I talked to about what I talk so much smack Pete, not just on the podcast. You need to but start I, taking some of that stuff that uh, Don Stoner was saying that helps your memory. Because let me tell you, green tea is going. Yeah, the green tea oh, stuff. I'm telling you, brother, I, I do need something. I'm feeling it. Ever since I had COVID, man, I, I have not been the same. I will tell well, you that's, that. Well, that's actually some of the long-lasting effects of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it was no joke. Like, when I got it, my mental capacity changed. My early morning energy change yeah all that stuff changed now i will say over time um we say long lasting covid's only been out for two years but the the reality is um some of it's coming back i am starting to notice some of the stuff that i that i've lost is returning what was Mm. i just saying i don't know i wasn't (laughs) paying attention just joking all right so um hey uh kick us in doc brown uh great scott it's time for this week's topic Let's get down to the nitty gritty. 
So what is our topic? You were going to tell me before we started, and then (laughs) we went off on something else. Why why break our streak now? So our topic is actually celebrity culture and leadership. (laughs) We were talking about the, uh, obviously, um, if you have uh, not been living under a rock, then you've come across the uh, Mark Driscoll, Who Killed Mars Hill podcast, um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is what it's actually called, but I call it usually about two or three other names first. And that's usually because uh, that's what you do. You know, when there's another dude in the picture, you know, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mark, what's his name? No, no, his name's Matthew. Yeah, whatever, right? That's what you do. Um, so that's the real reason Pete and I are putting the podcast on on hold is because we found that everyone else liked this other podcast better, uh, more than us. So uh, we, we, we just- hey, I know, just want to go on the record again and say, you're the one putting the podcast on hold. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So I'm mad. No, I'm teasing. No, but you know, it it it's it's been I've had mixed feelings about that podcast. And on one hand, I think it's one of the best produced things out there. On the other hand, they are raising um many, many things that need to be said. And the, and on the other hand, you know, these are all my points. I don't know if I, I have three hands to, to put them on. But on the other hand, I have mixed feelings because I'm just not sure it's right to pull Mark Driscoll up. Like if you want to make a podcast about this whole topic in general and maybe highlight a few different people with these, fine. But I, I'm just not sure that it's 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 right to just attack one guy incessantly um, and, and just kind of bludgeon the guy, you know, like I I'm sure there's a lot of great things that Mark Driscoll had and they, they bring that up. So when I'll talk to the, my friends, they'll say, well, Peyton, they do bring that up. They bring up, people got saved. They bring this up. And I always say, yes, but it's with a, a, a spin and caveat and please understand. I in no way am, um, uh, saying that Mark Driscoll, you know, that, that he was right or, you know, whatever. I wasn't there. The people that were there seemed to have a really good take on it. I'm just not sure that, you know, it wasn't kind of dealt with there. And then people say, oh, but he's up to his tricks again in Arizona. Maybe. I mean, some guy came out, some disgruntled employee said something. Maybe. I just... I just for any of you that have been in, in leadership, you could find any one of a handful of people that are cheesed off at you. Mark Driscoll was was proud and abusive. Okay. He stepped down. He said he was sorry. That's cool. So I don't I don't mind bringing that up. I don't mind using his exhibit A. Uh, but we have, you know, maybe just not the whole show on one guy's failure. I I just not sure how I feel about that. And and more because I'm not sure how Jesus feels about that. I'm just not sure that, you know, that's especially without the redemption at the end. Like when the Bible talks about the people like uh, Peter and those, you know, it, it, it talks about the redemption. Um, of course, we hear Judas, the son of, of perdition. And uh, Jesus goes, well, he was doomed to destruction. But that's different, right? Like that's that's a guy that Jesus is kind of saying that we ain't going to see that guy in heaven. Right. So so it I don't know, man, I just got mixed feelings. But anyways, it bring without jousting those windmills because I haven't landed on where I listen to it. Excuse me, like a car wreck, I can't look away. Um, I listen to it. I'm actually super impressed by it. I think it's super. How many episodes am- was it? Uh, right now they're up to nine. 
So, uh, yeah. So let me just be really clear. Like I actually, <laughs> I would advertise my book on it. Actually, I, I, I reached out to him and said, Hey, I'll put church plantology on there again. I have mixed feelings. So, uh, uh, I'm not sure that I should have, um, being that the case, but I'm in book horror mode. Like I have to sell my book. I have to flog it. So, uh, Hey, I got an interview with Caesar K tomorrow. So that'll be, what are you fun. promoting your book on his podcast? I am. Nice. I am. Yeah. Now you know why we had him on our podcast. <laughs> you know, he's not going to like us anymore. Once, once church Planner podcast is done, you can be like, Oh, f- forget those two. Yeah. Those two jokers. They're out of here. Yeah. But he might come over to my new podcast, right? Oh, Oh, is, are you church inviting Caesar and not me? No. Oh. Well, he might come over there. You can come as a guest too. I don't church want to come. Podcast. I want to come. I want to come. <laughs> So, did you see that comment on Facebook? You mentioned something about comments. I only saw one, and that was from Bill, who once won our comment contest because he has the best comments. And he goes, "Well, if if the Church Planner podcast is splitting ways and go uh, experiencing a breakup, I'm going with Pete." <laughs> did he really? <laughs> yeah. And I put Pete and I already talked about this. He's keeping the kids. I, I'm keeping all the money. That's so funny. That's what I tell Jamie all the time. If we split up, you're taking the kids. <laughs> I want the money. You take the kids. That's so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so bad. But some of the kids uh, might decide they want to come over to my podcast. So that that does. No, I gotta I gotta comment on see for my uh for my front from concealment podcast, we've got a, a telegram group because it's uncensored unlike we've already been censored on facebook like oh, we can't God. live stream our podcast or anything anymore oh really oh yeah and uh so anyway i don't know who this person is but someone put in there uh i'm sad church planner podcast may be dying but if i have to choose another podcast to follow for the next eight years it'd be the from concealment podcast i'm like <gasps> yeah oh it's a second person that said well that, and then I, I got another one i got a text from uh <gasps> my pastor He's like, just when I start to listen to the podcast again, you're ending it. I'm like, hey, the catalog is there. <laughs> Go back. 450 episodes. Let me tell you, you do something 450 times. It might be time for you to try something else. <laughs> it might be time to experiment a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Step out, you know, mix, mix it up. Go so, to the, who kills know, Mar Hills. And and I will tell who killed the church planner. Oh, did. That's what that was supposed to be. What? There's the next podcast. Who right. killed the church planner podcast? Okay, okay. For our last podcast, we need to do that as a documentary. We need to do it like in it. the in the style of Who Killed Mars Hill. We need to do, and we'll play clips of ourselves interspersed. <laughs> Except the problem is, is that would require work on our part to go get. But I'm hiring an employee. You know, New Breed's hiring an employee, right? I didn't know that. Oh, I'll tell you more about that after the podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's juicy. Okay. You're who I'm hiring. (laughs) No, I know who you're hiring. Don't say it out loud. No, but it's who I think it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You already said that on this podcast. Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess you'd have to go back and listen. On this episode. Oh, did I? Yeah, at the very beginning. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Well, the cat's out of the bag then. 
So here's the thing. Um, go, going into our, uh, uh, now that I've undermined everything I'm about to say. No, we didn't. Um, here, here's the thing. Looking at that uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill, <clears throat> it raises the issue of celebrity culture. And it, and it basically gives the argument that this is part of what's wrong with us. And I think there's a certain degree in which you can take that and say yes, because obviously anytime you go with, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, Paul says that, that you've become um, carnal. But I think the context of that verse is sectarianism. I don't think it's that somebody is maybe famous because later in the same book in Corinthians chapter eight, Paul says, along with Titus, we're sending the brother who is praised by all the churches for his work in the gospel. Now, another version says famous among all the churches. And it means the same thing. He's heralded, famous, praised uh, for his work in the gospel. Now, many scholars anticipate that this is actually Apollos because, you know, Paul even says, you know, um, I planted Apollos watered and, uh, you know, God gave the increase. So, so here's the deal. Um, Apollos was someone who was well known for coming behind Paul and preaching the gospel and seeing masses saved. That is in fact what happened every time Paul left. When he left Ephesus, it happened. When he left Corinth, it happened. Um, everywhere Paul went, Apollos came. And so I believe what he's speaking about is actually Apollos. But, you know, that's debatable. Maybe he's talking about Timothy. Maybe he's talking about someone we don't know because he's not talked about in the letters. Maybe it's Luke. Who knows? But what we do know is that Paul doesn't put on this a caveat like, he doesn't say um, that this is bad. He, he continues in verse 19. More than that, this brother was chosen by the churches to accompany us with the offering, the gracious gift we administer. Um, so, so this guy's popular, right? He's loved. He's popular. To a certain degree, he has a measure of celebrity. So I want to back up and talk today a little bit about celebrity and what, you know, what was on the, particularly on the Josh Harris one, they mentioned celebrity culture is what broke Josh Harris. So on the, the bonus Who's episode, Josh Harris, I don't know who that is. He was the one that wrote a book. He was a, a young kid. He was a teenager, homeschooled and wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He then went on to uh, move up with uh, CJ Mahaney and some of the reform circles. He rubbed shoulders with um, Mark Driscoll was a bit of a stalwart in reform culture. And I remember finding out he was reformed and being like, oh, wow, man, that's cool. You know, because I was reformed at the time and thinking how cool that was. And uh, but anyways, recently he came out and he did an interview with Mike Cosper for the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which uh, he just talks about how he's deconstructing his faith. And what I appreciated was Mike um, really gave him uh, a pastoral um, leading and guiding through that conversation. Number one, he let Josh just say what he had to say without attacking him. 
And at one point he jokes and says, now I'm slipping into pastor mode here. Forgive me. And, and Josh is like, no, that's cool. Like Josh Harris is a nice dude, just a super gracious, nice person. So um, I've got a lot of respect for Josh, but he starts off in the beginning. He actually says, look, I just got really hurt. And that started the whole thing. And that that's often the case with people that, that go into it usually is not some theological point. He, he brings out, he says it wasn't that. But it was just all this emotional stuff that caused me to upend and to reevaluate and, and to distrust everything. And so when he wrote that book, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, it was very much a stimulus for purity culture, uh, which now has a bad name. But back in the day, it was people courting, um, trying not to have sex before marriage. And he jokingly says on the podcast, I was taught that was the worst thing that could ever happen. Well, you know, I, 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 I get why that would be of concern. I mean, unwanted pregnancies, teen mothers. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that probably, you know, your uh, sexual purity, Paul says, hey, you know, every other sin you commit, you commit outside your body. This one, sexual sin is different. So uh, I would kind of, you know, give the little caveat there that a purity culture uh, in the church was a little lopsided. It really was. I mean, Andrew and I, before Josh Harris, our generation had Elizabeth Elliot, and as cool as that lady was, um, she wrote uh, a book called Passion and Purity, and it made you almost afraid of romance. Um, it made everything very Spartan-esque. And your approach, I, Anna and I have looked at each other a number of times and said, hey, um, <laughs> we probably missed out on some stuff because we were trying so hard to behave. We made it to the altars, virgins, with each other. Um, <laughs> had some... some, some uh, uh, hot and heavy nights, but nothing, nothing that, that got us into too much trouble. Um, but you know, we, uh, we, we've often come, come away and said, were we more helped than harmed? And I think we've come to the conclusion we we're more helped, but there's a little bit that we missed out on. I would have liked a more balanced approach, which I think, um, <coughs> if we did approach that, um, we would be standing on the shoulders of some people in purity culture. See, what happens is when things go out of um, popularity, when the fad or the trend dies, within Christianity, we have this tendency to go pendulum swing the other way. Oh, you know, and then and then somebody else who maybe says, well, hold on, wasn't there some? No, you know, like you, you can't give any balanced view on any of that. There was some helpful stuff in that, but... It all. It was kind of like when Promise Keepers was all the rage, and then afterwards everybody crapped all over. I, I never was a Promise Keeper. Never went to a Promise Keeper thing, but I think some of the intentionality of that was kind of cool. Now I don't know the ins and outs, so don't come after me for this. I'm really not that familiar with it. I was overseas when it happened. I remember reading a bit and thinking, oh, there might be some good stuff. And then they mixed it with like Republican right wing, you know, candidates, and I, it just got wrecked and ruined. But. I always look at the intentions. What was the intention? You know, they, they might've missed some, but that's who Josh Harris was. He comes on there and they, they pin celebrity culture. They say, this is the problem within the church. This is what this leads to. And I, you know, I just got to kind of back up because you know me, Pete, I love the scripture and I, I love church history. And I think what we're talking about is nothing new. There is nothing new under the sun. Um, celebrity culture is not new. Think about it. Paul talks about this guy 
I, I think it's how you deal with celebrity culture. If celebrity culture is venerated and exonerated and honored and is seen as something to strive for, then it becomes evil, right? Like money's a tool. We know that. But uh, Paul says money's the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. I don't think celebrity culture is a problem. I think the love of celebrity culture is the problem because celebrity is in human nature. Right. If you go all the way back, right, we hear these tales of renown, you know, Tolkien. Um, Tolkien's whole thing with Lord of the Rings was based on heroism. And those were the stories. Beowulf, those are, you know, Alexander the Great. You told these stories, um, you know, the story of Troy. Right. Who is the guy? Um, Achilles. Right. In 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 the story of Troy. Uh, Brad He's, Pitt. Brad Pitt, yes. Re deeds of renown, right? Acts of heroism. Those are the things that people talk about because they stand out and people become known. Um, even in, in the scripture, it talks about men of valor, you know, it talks about David's mighty men became very well known for these things that they did and these stories got recounted. I don't think there's anything Goliath. wrong. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, David's mighty men were, were like holy dudes, man. They, they were the spirit and talks about the spirit. Come on. You know, I think. Does it? What we, yeah. Hmm. yeah. It talks about the spirit of God coming on some of these dudes. So, like, when you have, like, the uh, things like the judges, even, even Samson, right? Spirit of God comes on Samson. And Samson is a great uh, example of somebody who becomes a celebrity um, and has a downfall, much like what we're hearing about on this podcast, where he has a great beginning, spirits anointing him, and then boom, he crashes and burns and destroys himself. And so you have that in scripture. You also have it um, in church history. But even Paul talked about it. Like Paul talked about, hey, don't put someone who's a new convert into leadership or they will get puffed up and arrogant. So, so there's always that danger. Um, but I, I would say that it's always been around Pete, that celebrity culture is here to stay. Um, what do we do with it and how do we combat it? So, but first I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, going back into church history, like, like we have, um, some of the church fathers, they were renowned. They were legendary. Like people made pilgrimages to go talk to them, right? St. Patrick, um, St. Anselm, some of these people that, that lived in the dark ages, Luther and the Reformation and Zwingli and Calvin, and, you know, all of these church history figures that got known. You could say they were celebrity to a certain degree. Whitfield, Wesley, Spurgeon. I mean, the list goes on and on, J. Hudson Taylor. And it's because, again, some of these guys did acts of renown. And so them becoming well-known for that is, to a certain degree, unavoidable. When you write or preach something or put content out, it's going it's to bring a certain degree of fame or celebrity, which is unavoidable. I pause there to let you speak. I didn't know I was going to get to talk on this podcast. I'm handing the conch to you. It is now your time to speak, Pete. <laughs> oh, that sounds great, Peyton. Uh, what else do you have to say on this topic? That was fantastic, Pete. That was the best one ever. All right. Hey, hey, towards the end of this thing, you, you, you got there. Well, 
I, I want to I want to read a little bit about Whitfield and kind of talk about him for a second because because Wesley obviously um, Wesley kind of made it big time right I mean I say made it um, he never let himself become rich he never let himself become super comfortable um, he definitely kept himself um, I would say he kept his integrity right um, for Wesley it was less about you know what people thought of him and more about what he was doing he just wanted to get his head down to it. he didn't he didn't pay attention to the crowds to a certain degree but um uh, here's a little bit about um whitfield so when he went to philadelphia he attracted eight thousand people and he took seven trips during his lifetime and he traveled five thousand miles in one year right up and down the coast of america in 1740, nearly 30,000 people heard him preach in Boston. Even uh, Ben Franklin writes in his journal, journal that he went to go here, um, that he, he went out of his way to go here, George Whitfield. He was, he was a phenomenon. Now, this is what Whitfield says early on, because it, towards the end of his life, Whitfield said, look, I, I built a rope of sand. Um, in other words, I didn't put systems and things into place. Like, and he was saying that about Wesley. When Wesley died, he was like, my followers are a, are a rope of sand. I'm not going to have, you know, what Wesley, because Wesley built a whole movement. But Whitfield had this thing in him where he was like, let, he, he said, uh, he quoted, uh, oh, who's the guy that founded the Moravians? Um, Count von Zinzendorf, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. That was Whitfield's motto, and he constantly said, let the name of Whitfield perish. Let only the name of Christ remain. And the reason he felt that, let, let's go back into his history, because what I was going to say is this, this affects different people differently. I don't think you can, oh, Christian celebrity is just the bad, the big bad wolf. You know, that's too easy. That, that makes something else the problem. The problem is our heart, right? There are certain people who can handle celebrity, Um I would argue that because when I worked for Exponential, I worked in the green room and I would interview all of the platform speakers afterwards. You know who the coolest guy was I ever interviewed? Uh, a guy named Mitchell, Pete Mitchell, I believe. <laughs> it was Andy Stanley. Oh, no kidding. Way coolest guy ever. Like, like, cause I remember, I remember on this one particular day, like, everybody was getting all bent out of shape not not over anything i was in it's just i realized like some of these speakers man they can be prima donnas you know like uh they would be all like you know there was a little bit of haughtiness you know i am the important guest here i am this you know let's let's make this snappy um there there was uh some of them got offended over the smallest little things and i just remember like being like wow you know, this is this is a trip because this isn't even famous. This is Christian famous. And here's Andy Stanley. You can't walk into a Walmart, man. You can't walk into a Barnes Noble without seeing that dude's face somewhere. Um, here's a guy that is probably the most famous Bible teacher on the planet. Uh, and he was super down to earth. I remember meeting him thinking he's super cool. Super nice dude, super easy to talk to, super lax, super chill, um, just really respectful. And uh, so here's here's what um, this, by the way, Pete, is out of <clears throat> this book. I just want you to see it. 
Um, church plantology. Cha-ching! Uh, this is from page 98, don't you know? I need my glasses. Uh, it says, uh, George Wayfield confessed that popularity nearly destroyed him as a young man before he learned to crucify it. The tide of popularity began to run very high, he writes in his journal. In a short time, I could no longer walk on foot as usual but was constrained to go in a coach from place to place to avoid the hosannas of the multitude. They grew quite extravagant in their applauses, and had it not been for my compassionate high priest, popularity would have destroyed me. I used to plead with him to take me by the hand and lead me unhurt through this fiery furnace. He heard my request and gave me to see the vanity of all my commendations but his own. So... You know, and I, I think Whitfield understood that true success was not people shouting your name and giving you goodies like Nacho Libre. But that experience at a young age where he says it almost destroyed me. Like there was something in Whitfield that that was repulsed by it. And I, I would definitely say that that over the years that's that's been something that I've had as well that keeps me um I would say keeps me honest. Um I can remember just going back into my own story a little bit where um, I was the golden boy. I was had uh, a church of, of a couple thousand that was like, hey, we want you to be our next pastor. Holy Spirit spoke to me on the beach, uh, my honeymoon in Barbados and was like, you're not the guy you're going to pull out when you get home. And I was I was like, OK, you know, like it was weird because I was I was a shoe in to be the pastor of that church. And uh, God had given me this preaching gift that, that excelled my years, but my wisdom and maturity was not caught up to my gifting. And um, I came back and resigned from the uh, pastoral race and um, ended up going to Lloyd-Jones's church, uh, going to Wales and joining the pastoral team there. And now I'll tell you, my mindset at the time was, well, of course I'm here. Well, I'm going to be the next Lloyd-Jones. I'm going to be the next Spurgeon. Um, of course, it's it's right that I'm here. I mean, who else? Who else would be? That was still in my heart. And then when God caused me to intentionally church, well, I was accidentally still trying. I church plan a couple times accidentally, but a couple times intentionally with, you know, different churches being part of their team. Um, had helped plant uh, the one out of Lloyd-Jones' church, but but took that one church, it broke me. And so when I went into um, actually planning a church, it got quite large by Welsh standards, very small by American, like 120, 125 was our biggest. I think we one day had 140 people as like a record in Wales, right? But I wanted no part of it. I wasn't staying. It was pure. I, I started leaning into team leadership just because I'm like, well, this elders thing has to be real. And I started understanding apostleship and prophetic and the apex started breaking open to me and it was so freeing to me. But what I was going to say is, so here I am, I'm in Wales, and I knew that if I came back to America, that America, because you could see it when you're not in it, you can see how much America, what the podcast points out, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, is that Americans are obsessed with celebrity in church circles. British people are not. There's something in a British person that resents that, right? There's this class thing where when you go upper class, 
all the people at the working class level despise you for it. And, and if you do the unforgivable sin of rising to the next, you get eaten alive. So if you ever notice, like in British politics, people like uh, Winston Churchill, they enjoy fame and then they just get devoured. Right. Kind of like Michael Cheshire said, why we eat our own. The British eat their own. Right. So if you ever uh, end up, you know, getting a, a degree of fame, you can't let it go to you have to kind of keep it down. Well, so here I am in, in Britain and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to go back to America and be a part of that. Like, I love my obscurity. I'm in Wales. My church is a laughable size uh, by American standards. And I freaking love it. I love that I'm more into multiplication anyways, uh, spreading outwards than building upwards. Like that church is too big. So we broke off chunks and planted two more out of it. So that became what what became, you know, because it, it wasn't about me. So getting getting back to all that, when I came back, um, I knew that I was supposed to write a book on team leadership to kind of start putting almost like the thin end of the wedge into our celebrity culture obsession in America. But I had this wrestling with God over writing a book because I knew if I put my name on a book, that's going to, to a certain degree, um, that's going to, that's going to kind of put my name out there. And I've been really happy going from the golden boy. That's the entire reason I do the podcast. (laughs) Well, this is the thing, Pete, like to a certain degree, like we do the podcast and there is a certain degree of notoriety, you know, like there is, there is name recognition. There is all that, but you and I both know we don't do the crap. Like the basic things, when you guys hear me say it, like Pete and I should have a website. We don't have a website. Like there are many, many things we could have done that would have made this thing like much bigger. And come on, Pete's a marketer. Like we, we, we know how to do things. We, we, we know how to work the system, but this was never about that. It was never meant to be this thing that made us famous. It was meant to be, this serves the church planner. If it serves a church planner, great. And if it doesn't, and, and that's part of the reason, like we know Smack Talk wouldn't help us grow. We're like, that's okay. Because there's church planners out there who uh, are going to listen and just feel like they got a friend for that 20 minutes. Feel like they're traveling with someone they can trust, someone who's in ministry, someone that can make them laugh, someone they can... Uh, sometimes have on when their kids are around. <laughs> Pete, looking at you. Oops. <laughs> but, you know, uh, to be honest, like all of that stuff, um, all of the celebrity, all that stuff, like it's never going to be big celebrity for us. Like even if you're, if you're famous, like I said, you're Christian famous. So what's the answer? What do you do with it? I, th- I think, you, you know, I've already tipped my hand a bit. The real issue is what you do with that celebrity. So um, I'll tell you what Jesus did, right? Not just what Whitfield did. Whitfield kind of shunned it. Um, Wesley, however, he leveraged it, right? Whitfield Whitfield, uh, shunned it and and he couldn't completely shun it because like the Countess of Huntington, one of the most powerful women in Britain at that time would parade him in front of... uh, you know, uh, nobles and have them preach to him, A, to get him saved and B, so they would fund his church, you know, uh, the churches that would be founded after he come preach somewhere. So, uh, but anyways, the answer to Jesus, I think, was 
he turned the crowds away with truth. I love John's gospel where he says, but Jesus came in grace and truth. So there's this balance all throughout John's gospel of grace and truth. Grace, he feeds them the bread. He multiplies the bread of, to the 5,000. And then he gives them truth. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. I am the bread from heaven. So there's this grace and truth dynamic where, you know, he's doing miracles and showing grace. And he turns to the Pharisees and goes, you're the sons of the devil. Right? Like there's this, this balance. This is no whippy, wimpy Jesus. It's not just love, love, like he's a giant teddy bear. Jesus has truth. And he knows he, he's like the the mix of the of the church planner and the from concealment podcast, right? There's that great and he's, he's letting him have it both barrels sometimes. So the, there's this this balance, this mix. But Jesus knew what it was to turn the crowds away. And I think the you know, like when he says, "Eat my flesh, drink my blood," he turns them away. He gets rid of them. He sends them packing. And I think the love of celebrity has to be constantly put under a microscope. Um, you have to keep being willing to sacrifice your Isaac, to, to sacrifice the idol. So like, like part of us giving up this podcast, I know what it means. I know it means that, hey, there's one of my platforms gone, right? But that's okay because it's, it's not about building platform. If, if my publisher talks to me, it, yeah, they think it is about building my platform. Um, but for my soul, it's not. And there have been times, like I remember at one point, um, Exponential, uh, when, when it, like probably a year or two before I started working for him, I had a, a chat with um, Todd Wilson. He said, hey, we want to make you the face and voice of Exponential. We, we kind of need a front man. Now, I always told Todd, I think you should be that dude. And he does a very good job at that. But that, at that time, that was the proposal, like about a year and a half, two years. Back when you and I were first talking to them, he's like, I, I want you. And they were going to take this podcast and uh, combine it with Exponential and, and almost kind of bias. I mean, that was kind of the, the deal. And I remember, you know, I was having these rad quiet times again. And I just felt like Jesus just said no. And so I called Todd up and I said, hey, man, I, I really appreciate the offer, but I've been talking to Jesus a lot. And he says, it's not good for my soul right now. And Todd really respected that, you know, because <clears throat> I'm working around Todd. I've noticed like a lot of people jockey for position and kiss his butt. And he's not into that, you know, but um, but I will say this, man, it 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 definitely was um over the years. I keep giving my platform away. You know, some of you guys won't know this, but the uh, outreach cover that that came out with my picture on it. That's the third time they asked. I only said yes this time because I had to flog church plantology because, you know, you feel a certain degree of um, responsibility with your publisher. Like, yeah, okay. You know, like you guys put a lot of money, like they really champion the book. Like they put a ton of money into it. Um, my, I remember my agent being a little shocked, cha-ching, I guess say cha-ching. He's like, wow, they really believe in you. They really believe in this project. They're really investing in this. This is cool. And so I, I've been going after podcasts to promote the work, but I actually believe in the work. And so to a certain degree, you know, look, guys, I, I, I think there's that proverb that says, do you know a man that is good in, in his work or skilled in his labor? That man shall stand before kings, right? I mean, look at Mozart. Right. Mozart stood before kings. Why? Because he was a fantastic composer. Will preachers be spread and shared? Will uh, a book 
that Rick Warren wrote, like Purpose Driven Life, which was fantastic. Will that not be shared out? And is that notoriety a bad thing? Not really. When Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem, Jesus said, I'm going to have this day, right? Now, I think for us, what we always have to do is to make sure that whenever that happens, that we're like John the Baptist, we're deflecting it back to Jesus, right? Um, where, where Jesus, uh, John the Baptist just says, follow him now, follow him now, right? Um, right after the baptism. And I didn't know this, Pete, but I was reading John um, where John didn't know that Jesus, Jesus was his cousin, right? If you read Luke, but he didn't know that Jesus was the Christ. In John, he says, I did not know it was him until I saw the spirit fall upon him. For the Lord had said to me, he who you see the spirit falling like a dove, he is the one you're proclaiming. And I'm like, I've never seen that in all these years. That that was a moment. That's why the Holy Spirit fell like a dove. That was from John's birth. John saw something maybe that nobody else saw, right? Some heard thunder. John heard the voice. So there's John and he tells everybody, follow him now which is why John and Andrew go and follow him on that day because they're like, oh, okay. And they just start going off after him. And that's the thing is I must decrease, he must increase. And if that's your internal operating system, you know, that, uh, that, that, that he's going to decrease or you're going to decrease and he's going to increase, great. But if your internal operating system is I must increase, he must decrease. Because it, it can't be the same, right? Like if you increase, Christ is going to decrease unless you flip that like John the Baptist did. And the only way that I know practically to do that is to do what Moses did. You know, uh, Moses was surely, I mean, he, millions of people were following him. Talk about a Twitter account. And Moses, you know, it says he, he meets with God face to face. And the Bible says he was the humblest man on the face of the planet. That's the only antidote I know is to just meet regularly with God. Get in the presence of Jesus. It may sound cliche, but I think you would be amazed at how many leaders don't do that and be able to switch it off. And I'll close with this. Um, Radiohead, um, and I, I put this in church plantology, cha-ching, um, Radiohead, because so I've got a whole section on the planner's health. I think for us, Pete, right, like, you know, we've helped church planners. We work with planners. Um, we would agree that one of the things that that's very unhelpful is, you know, some guy that, that breaks his marriage, breaks his brain, breaks his mental health, um, breaks everything for this success idol or to, to build the church of dreams. I, I don't care about that. I'd much rather have someone have a little small intimate group of, you know, 15, 20 people and be doing well in their marriage, doing well in their walk with Jesus, uh, maintaining good friendships, maintaining their mental health. Um, so I've got this whole uh, section on the planner's health. Um, during that, uh, I mentioned Radiohead because what, what a lot of people don't know um, about Radiohead is that they played in one year nearly 300 shows wow. on OK Computer. I mean, that's insane. And these weren't, these weren't like, like little venues. These were like stadiums they were filling. They were filling the biggest stadiums in every city. And so uh, if you're, you probably won't know this, but some of our listeners will know that Radiohead's next album after OK Computer had no guitars on it. 
And that was because Tom York, the lead singer, he, he said, you know, when I, when I used to, to, when my head was all tangled, I'd pick up a guitar and I play guitar. And that was how I, I decompressed. That was how I regained my equilibrium or my balance. And he said, the problem is, is when the thing you turn to becomes the problem, where do you go to find your balance? And, and ministry can become like that, where, um, you know, you're meeting with Jesus, you're praying, you're this, but then it becomes a means to an end, right? When the, when the idol of ministry outgrows why you first started doing this thing, then you, 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 you have nowhere to go anymore. <laughs> you just, so there's a time at which you just got to ditch it, go on sabbatical, kill it, right? Kill the fatted calf or, um, you know, you know, uh, grind the sacred cow, you know, the, the golden calf, grind it into powder. There's, there's, there's something you have to do now for Tom York. What he did is he, he bought a house cause he could with cash, just buy a house down in, um, the Devonshire coast, which you've ever seen. There's these huge cliffs look overlooking the ocean. And he got this house that had all these glass windows. So he could just see the, cause he was at the point of nervous breakdown. He actually kind of cracked up a bit and he just, all he had in there was a cot to sleep on and this giant grand piano in that room with all the glass overlooking the ocean and the cliffs. And he said, and I just would go in there and play piano. And that's how I regained my uh, equilibrium. And so when that next album comes out, it's more about sound, right? Um, I think the, the album was Kid A. And it was all about noise and sound and rhythm. And they, fair play, reinvented the music scene at that point. Um, so much music now goes back to one album. But it came out of Tom York going, I, I just can't pick up a guitar anymore. And you might get to that point where, you know, what would have happened if, if people around Mark Driscoll had come to him and said, hey, you're not okay right now. People are getting saved. But um, you need to take a break. Even Jesus got away. Um, you need a sabbatical or you, you need, because of team leadership, you, you, we got this. No one's going to try to take over the church from you because paranoia sets in when, when success becomes on Someone else is going to want this. You lose your mind. And, uh, and at that point though, how cool would it have been if, if, you know, a guy like that could have, you know, uh, just taken a break, you know, and there's so many people like that where they could have just taken a break and discontinued and hit pause and found their identity back in Jesus. That was a big part of the, the conversation with Josh Harris. He kept coming back to his identity and my identity became all this other stuff rather than, than my identity in Christ. And uh, so for a guy deconstructing his faith, who says he's no longer a Christian, he kind of got it. Maybe he does understand Christianity better than, than he thinks he does, but, but that's it. That's my uh, that's my piece. Sorry, Pete. I really I really went off on this one. <laughs> oh, am I allowed there? to talk now? <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure. Yes, I did not give permission, but uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, sorry about that. Let me ask you: When I'm chasing all this fame and everything, uh, how do I keep uh, all of my podcasts and my YouTube videos and my <laughs> sermons all in one place? Because I I don't know how to do that. Well, Pete. You know, uh, I use uh, sermonboss.com. 
uh, sermonboss.com, Pete, because what they do is they help keep everybody on your page so that they don't go away to YouTube. They don't go away to, to, to some other, you know, to Apple iTunes. You keep them right there. And they got these plugins that'll keep everybody on the site. So when they're done consuming your content, why, well, dang it, Pete, they can just go consume some more. <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. All right. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us today for a very special podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones on not the last episode of Church Planner Podcast, not the second to last, but I think the sixth episode 444. You were here for it and be here for our next. I can't do math. Five, six. I don't know. You tell me, but be here for our next ones until our very final episode who killed the Church Planner Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music